Welcome to Cleveland Clinic Cardiac Consult, brought to you by the Seidel and Arnold Miller Family Heart, Vascular, and Thoracic Institute at Cleveland Clinic. Hi everyone, uh, my name is Leslie Cho. I'm the section head for preventive cardiology and cardiac rehabilitation, and it's really my pleasure to introduce Dr. Ashish Suraju. He is the, our latest preventative cardiology uh, family member, and I'm super excited to introduce him to you. Um, and he's going to speak today about inherited disorders, particularly FH. So Ashish, tell us about FH. Thank you. Thank you very much, Leslie, for the kind introduction. It's a pleasure to be part of the Cleveland Clinic and the section of preventive cardiology. Uh, but yes, FH is, as you know, one of my main academic and clinical interests. And uh, FH is uh, one of the most common morbid inherited lipid disorders in the, in the U.S., mm -hmm. uh, typically characterized by mutations that lead to lifelong elevations in LDL cholesterol. Um, you know, and as you know, there are arguably two main forms of the condition, heterozygous FH, where individuals carry a single copy of the core mutation, and homozygous FH, where individuals carry two copies of the mutation. And how common is it? Yeah, heterozygous FH is quite common uh, and is generally under-recognized in the United States. You know, some estimates have said that only 10% of individuals with FH have been diagnosed in the U.S., but heterozygous FH uh, estimates have been placed at anywhere from 1 in 200 to 1 in 300 in the U.S., which is, you know, incredibly common. Yeah. Um, and homozygous FH is a much more severe phenotype uh, with two copies. Uh, tends to present really in childhood, uh, and it's much less common, really one in several hundred thousand uh, people. And so when should our clinicians be sort of attuned to FH and testing for FH? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I'd say as a rule of thumb, you know, a good place to start would be if individuals have an LDL cholesterol that's greater than 190 milligrams per deciliter, um, as adults, uh, that's a good place to kind of kick off the suspicion about whether or not this could be FH. Uh, along with that, individuals who have a strong family history of premature atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease, or ASCVD, with elevated LDL cholesterols that may not quite meet 190, may also still be good, uh, good candidates to be considered for FH screening. And, you know, there's been a lot of controversy about genetic testing, number one being cost, but number two being that, you know, we're going to treat these people super aggressively. So what's the point of doing genetic testing? So speak yeah. to us about genetic testing. That's a great question. And uh, there are, uh, in FH, I think it makes a lot of sense to offer genetic testing routinely as part of clinical care. That's because of a few different reasons. One is that genetic testing can help establish the diagnosis definitively because FH does have a few culprit mutations uh, that, you know, really can clinch the diagnosis. Two, genetic testing, and this is perhaps the most crucial part of this, can help diagnose entire families with FH. And, you know, we like to say, as you know, uh, we don't diagnose individuals with FH, we diagnose families with FH. So if a pathogenic mutation is found, really we can use that to screen multiple family members and really spread out uh, our diagnostic search area. And three, there are good data showing that the presence of a mutation alone may confer prognostic value. So individuals with a pathogenic FH mutation may have a higher risk of coronary disease than individuals without a pathogenic mutation at comparable levels of LDL cholesterol. 
Yeah, I mean, one could envision where if you have genetic defect that you would maybe treat them even more aggressively right. in the primary prevention setting than, you know, anyone else. Um, how much is genetic testing? Yeah, it's a great question. Luckily, the price has dropped considerably. So, you know, you'll hear quotes anywhere from a few hundred dollars to maybe sometimes even less than a hundred dollars. I mean, there's been lots of excitement about um, treatment. Yeah. But tell us about the treatment and how you, so when you see a patient, primary prevention, um, heterozygous FH, what are some of the treatments you start them on and mm -hmm. take us through the whole gamut? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, once once we you know see a patient with FH, we've established the diagnosis, we've risk stratified them appropriately with any additional testing as needed. The fundamentals of FH treatment, as you know, are to control the LDL cholesterol level. So we start with intensive lifestyle modification. You know, which would in our prevention clinic we're lucky to have uh, nutrition and exercise counseling embedded. So we, of course, start with that. But typically, these patients need lipid-lowering therapy to control their LDL cholesterol levels, uh, for which statins remain the mainstay of first-line treatment. Uh, but really, we can uh, escalate beyond that quickly. And typically, we are aggressive about escalation if LDL goals aren't reached in this patient population. And so um, we start with high-intensity statin. We then go to Zetia. And mm -hmm. then we go to PCSK9 inhibitors. That's exactly yeah. right. So, and PCSK9 inhibitors, as you know, are uh, exceptionally uh, effective in reducing LDL cholesterol. But from an insurance coverage standpoint, insurance does cover PCSK9 inhibitors for primary prevention for heterozygous FH if mm -hmm. it's properly diagnosed and documented. Um, so I think there's a, there's a strong advantage, again, going back to the genetic testing question yes. and the yeah. specialist referral question in that documenting that diagnosis can really help obtain the necessary approvals to adequately treat them. And beyond PCSK9, what are the, some of the other treatments that are available? Uh, it's a great question, too. So the latest sort of kit on the block is, of course, in Clizaran, yeah. you know, recently approved. Yeah. Again, leads to about a 50% drop in LDL cholesterol. Uh, so I think that is, a, that is a good option as well. Uh, of course, there's, there's things like bempedoic acid, which are, you know, much more modest in comparison. Uh, but more exciting or more advanced therapies um, uh, for FH patients uh, include, if they're recalcitrant to all these therapies, we can even consider lipoprotein epheresis which we do here at the mm -hmm. Cleveland Clinic to control mm -hmm. their LDL cholesterol. And there are a number of therapies now in the research pipeline that are particularly exciting, including uh, gene editing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think one of the other sort of excitements around this, um, this particular um, disease state is that it was, it's a disease state that you can really see a cure very uh, soon in the near future. You can really theoretically see a possibility where a patient with heterozygous FH may even be cured right. uh, of their disease and never have to take drug. Um, I think one of the things about the Cleveland Clinic um, Prevention Clinic is that we have a nutritionist, an exercise physiologist, as you said, and cardiologists who specialize in lipids. Um, and also we have all these sort of research that are ongoing that's really exciting for our patients to um, tap into and for clinicians to refer to. Right. Um, but these are really exciting times in cholesterol management. Absolutely, I couldn't, couldn't agree more. I think the, the importance of prevention has you know, never, never really been as prominent as it is now. Yeah. And 
you know, certainly I think in our section, we're very well equipped to kind of deal with complex patients and, and manage them in a quick, effective manner. Uh, so I'm going to let you have the last word here. But yeah. if you have someone with heterozygous FH at, in the age of 35, mm-hmm. so their LDL is 190 and they're male, mm-hmm. um, what do you think is the LDL target for that patient? That's a great question. I think if you look at general consensus statements and guidelines, in the absence of clinical atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease, um, the general goal for their LDL cholesterol should be less than 100 milligrams per deciliter. Of course, we'd want to be more aggressive with that depending on their you know, clinical profile in general. For example, if they have very high coronary artery calcium scores or an extremely high lipoprotein A level or other risk stratification factors, we may want to be more aggressive. But at least less than 100 would be our general starting place. If a patient has an LDL of 190 at like a job fair and um, they come to their general practitioners or their general cardiologist and the cardiologist want to diagnose heterozygous FH Without genetic testing, what are some of the things that they can do? I think that's a great question, Lizzie. Of course, you know, they can, of course, anytime refer their patients to preventive cardiology or lipid specialists who can go through the system. But there are clinical criteria out there for FH, um, you know, whose utility, uh, you know, is not 100% clear across the board, of course. But the most commonly used one is something called a Dutch um, uh, lipid clinic network criteria, the DLCN criteria, which includes a combination of personal history, family history, physical exam findings, their uh, blood test, their LDL level, and uh, genetic testing results if available. Uh, the DLCN criteria is not the only set of criteria out there. There's uh, the US MedPed criteria, there's the Simon Broom register criteria. And, uh, you know, certainly, you know, in preventive cardiology, we can kind of help navigate through that. But the DLCN criteria are, are a good place to start for anyone who's interested in, in initially screening their patients. Are there ethnic differences? That's a, that's a great question. There probably are. Um, and, I, you know, that's the trouble with clinical criteria in general because they're, you know, derived from certain populations. Whether they are, they are widely generalizable is, is, not, uh, is not fully clear. And, um, uh, you know, that's why the role of genetic testing in diagnosing FH FH is important because it helps add in that extra element of diagnostic accuracy if the clinical criterion is something. And is heterozygous FH found more in Caucasian population or is is it just a testing bias of the Caucasian population? No, that's a that's a great question. I would say that FH is you know, if you look at the traditional populations that have really done a good job studying and characterizing FH prevalence, a lot of those studies really come from countries with Caucasian populations. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we're starting off, you know, with that sort of level of bias already, uh, uh, you know, when, when we think about FH diagnostic criteria. Are there FH um, work being done in other parts of the world, like, for example, Southeast Asia and East Asia? Yeah. So there's FH work that's being done globally. There are great global FH um, uh, projects looking at the uh, prevalence of FH. So I think, you know, as a field, you know, we've become more, uh, uh, you know, sort of attuned to the fact that we need to be, you know, we need to look at FH globally. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Um, thank you. Thank you, everyone, for joining us um, to talk about inherited uh, cholesterol uh, issues today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. 
We hope you enjoyed the podcast. We welcome your comments and feedback. Please contact us at heart at ccf.org. Like what you heard? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or listen at clevelandclinic.org slash cardiac consult podcast.